0: Welcome to the M.A. Roadshow, episode number 220. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is working hard back home in Las Vegas at Casa de Cold Coffee, but I've got the lovely Mike Bond with me here. He's grinding. We're in New York. We're in Bell Tour 220, McDonald versus Gracie, but even better than Mike Bond. <laughs> We've got Larkin Dash with us right here. How are you doing, young lady?
1: Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me on this.
0: I should say where we are right now. I mean, it's no surprise that we would be at a Hooters, to be honest <laughs> with you, because that's kind of the place that we, that we hang out. We, we drink some cold beer, we eat some chicken wings, we talk some MMA. But we came here specifically for you, because you are doing a, a meet and greet, you're doing an appearance, you're wearing a beautiful black dress right now, a few hours after weigh-ins, a few hours before you're going to step into the Bellator cage. Give me an idea of what you're feeling like right now.
1: I'm ready. I mean, I didn't have a bad weight cut, so that was super nice and then I just relaxed, took a nap, then got ready for this and you know, you can usually find me dressed like fairly nice, you know. I like I like to dress well too, but I'm feeling good, I'm confident and ready, so
0: that's awesome. What what is this attention mean? like? I mean, you were very, very early in your professional career, right? And a lot of fighters they toil away on the on the on the lower tiers for a long time, you know, they're grinding their way to the top. And here you are, I mean, you're getting, you're getting attention. Now, this is a card full of superstars. This is probably, I think, the best card the Bellator's ever put together, top to bottom. So, you know, it's not like they're asking you to headline the damn thing. But, but I mean, we put out a story on you. I'm seeing other outlets putting out stories. It's getting clicks. It's, it's getting you recognition. What does it feel like this early in your career to be kind of getting these eyeballs?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I was waiting for, like, some kind of opportunity just because I've been doing MMA for five years now. I had a long amateur career. Um, I was waiting, kind of, on management to get um, to go pro. So once I went pro, I didn't expect to be on Bellator like my second fight. But I took a really hard first opponent. So that got me ready for anything, you know. So I was I was waiting for something like this. I never thought it would be Bellator in Madison Square Garden this early, though.
0: That is crazy. Yeah. So how did how did the fight come together? I mean, did your management seek seek this opportunity out? Did Bellator come to your man? How, how did this come together?
1: So Bellator had reached out to another coach in Michigan, and his fighter that they were looking for had just been injured. She just tore her ACL. So obviously, they're not going to take it with that kind of risk going on and potentially worse injuries. So he reached out to my manager and was seeing, you know, like, will Larkin do it? And, of course, I'm going to do it. You know, I don't care if I'm 10 days out. I'm in shape and ready. So, it's just like fine-tuning a few skills and getting ready to go. So,
0: no question about it. There there was not even a discussion. No. I always wonder what the attitude is. I mean, there's no question. Of course, you know, um, I don't want to say they've invested in Valerie, but they, I mean, that was a big signing for them, right? So, I mean, and. So this is a Scott Coker special. They do this. They, he used to do this with Strike Force, He does this with Bellator. You know, he'll take these people, identify them, and he'll bring them along. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason you can't ruin all that. I know. Right. But I wonder, like, what's the attitude when you know, like, this is one of their new people, and they call you? Are Are, are they looking at you? Or, or, what? I'm the easy target. I'm the sucker. <laughs> I mean, do, do, does any of that cross your head? Like, um, what, why, why? Why me? Why do no. they call me?
1: You know, it's funny because um, she has a lot of hype, um, but that's that's literally all it is. I mean, I've seen her fights, and, I mean, she hasn't played with the big girls yet, you know? Like, she hasn't gone through war. She hasn't sought out people who are knowingly better than her to see what it's like to literally take the hardest punches you could ever take, take the hardest jujitsu, the best jujitsu and she hasn't seen that, and that's a uh, flaw in her training. Uh, I'm not sure why that they would do that, to not have her fight people that could and will beat her. Um, I mean, my first fight, you know, was all th- all three rounds, all five, all three five-minute rounds, which right. is way different than amateur. She's never seen 15 minutes in the cage straight. Right. She doesn't know what that feels like. So I'm really excited to, you know, if it worse comes to worse, to show her what that means. Yeah. And, I mean – I'm glad that she was fine to, with fighting me, but I have a lot more experience in the ring. So, I mean, she may be decorated or whatever, but that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I fought decorated people as an amateur, too, and that it just doesn't mean anything. Not, not, <laughs> not,
0: not, not buying into the hype.
1: No, not at all.
0: I dig it. Tell you about the, I want to ask you, what the, it was just a couple hours ago, the energy of the face-off. Because, Mike, you, I was in the back. I was shooting video and photos. Mike, you were right there. and. And you noticed something.
2: Yeah, I was curious. You know, her shaking when she got up in your face. What did you see from that? Was that – did you see intensity? Did you see nerves? What was kind of the
1: I don't know. I've, I've never faced off against someone and had them being shaking like that. I'm not sure if it was a rough weight cut. Um, sh- her first professional fight was a rough weight cut, I hear. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she had another rough weight cut or if it was more of her nervous or her thinking she looked intense, but it made her look nervous. Um, and then her not smiling made her look um, like – She's not ready to fight. She's not relaxed, calm, and, like, ready to get in there and do what she does best. So. That's what
0: I wondered. I, it, it felt a little like nerves, right? The yeah. The
1: yeah, that's, that's how I felt. I mean, I was like, wow, like, I mean, I'm mean, i not shaking, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you bring any, like, it seems like that it gives you a little bit of extra confidence or something, like a mental edge. Do you take that into the cage, or does none of that matter tomorrow yeah, night? Yeah,
1: I mean, I do, since I got to New York, I've gotten progressively less nervous. You know, like, <laughs> I've seen, like, what she's doing, trying, like, her cutting weight and stuff like that, and ben, it's made me more confident. So.
0: Was she, trying to, was she like, giving you the, the, the evil eye there or kind of trying I to intimidate know. you I a little mean, bit? I've
1: been trying to keep my distance from her, but uh, I was going to go down and do a little workout, um, and then she was in the gym cutting weight. So,
0: so you crossed paths.
1: It is what it is. So.
0: I dig it. Talk, talk, I want to ask you, the, the, the decision to sign the contract in the Hooters uniform, right, that's what got all the attention. That's what everybody talked to. And I, heck, I think we even talked about it a little bit internally, like, is this disrespectful? You know, I, I, our headline, I think, was, like, Hooters girl and MMA fighter signs Bellator. It's, I mean, in some ways, I think that you ca- you got to almost have, like, a, a character. I know, like, when people go on the Ultimate Fighter, you're just meeting them. You kind of yeah. label them as something. You know what I mean? Then yep. That's just kind of the entry. You know, hell, Lema Leigh McFarlane started out by beating the soccer mom, right? Now look at her. You know, sure. so she's on top uh-huh. of the world. So I wonder, like, you, you got all this attention. Were you expecting, like, what, what was the conscious decision to – I mean, was there a conscious decision to be, like, well, hell, let's 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 roll with this Hooters girl thing.
1: Uh huh. So, um, my manager, I guess, had this a little bit in his mind that like this would be a good idea. We get some hype, but I didn't. You know, like <laughs> I I just had to sign the contract, so it wasn't a conscious decision on my part. But, um, I mean, I'm glad it happened just because, I mean, like the whole Hooters thing does kind of like me as a person. You know, like I'm from a small town. You know, I'm like following my dream. Um. I stopped going to college. One semester left in my four-year degree just to, like, follow this MMA thing. So, I mean, the, the Hooters girl is, like, all American, you know. Like, that's, that's how I am, you know. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, the most fashion neat person ever. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to carry, like – I'm not trying to be a model, you know. Right. Like, that's not my person. You know, I'm a fighter. Um, I'm down to earth. And that's kind of what I wanted to portray in myself anyways. I'm not trying to portray that I'm better than anyone, so.
0: Is that a shot at her and the way she carries herself?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, I mean I, it's all about how you present yourself, I think. So, I mean, you present yourself the way you want to be seen by the world, and I wouldn't want to be seen that way.
0: It's interesting. I mean, because in the reason, I mean, it's, I hate, I, you know, I hate to think that, like, this will be all you're ever known, the Hooters girl. But it, it, as an entry, though, it's great, right? I mean, right. because you're fighting on the prelims,
2: it's your second fight, and people are talking about it and, they, and they know you they're, they're knowing your name so it's, it's interesting I, I, people would kill to have that recognition that early in their career like really there's a lot of fighters you know, look at half the other fighters on this prelim card that people don't know or haven't had Bellator fights no one knows anything about them and there's an identifier but as your career goes along you wash that away and obviously you know the long-term goal i'm sure is to not be working any side jobs at all and be doing this full-time right right
1: well it's funny though because everyone um even even, uh, i think valerie had said that she's like oh yeah i used to waitress and then i got out of it when money i would still waitress like i truly enjoy it it gets me away from the intensity of Training, like, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah, and then sure. all you're doing is in kill mode and just, like, intense. Yep. So it's so nice to go to work and just be carefree. And it gives you a reason to put makeup on and look pretty and talk to people. I, and I slow your life down.
0: Shane Carwin said the same thing, minus the makeup and stuff. <laughs> Shane <laughs> Carwin, I remember, he used to be an engineer. And he was like, I don't care if I'm heavyweight champ of the world. I'm, I'm never going to give that job up. Like, right. I like going and having a normal part of my day that's not just MMA all day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, yeah. What uh, – what 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 degree were you pursuing that you yeah. quit one semester? Early. yeah, yep, wow. so
1: me and my boyfriend uh, actually started a business, so cool. I mean it did it did kind of help that I was in business school, but you know, like I really wanted this dream to go somewhere, so I was like, well, you know, I, I ended on good terms, so I could always go back and mm. finish that last semester, and I will go back and finish it, but I'm waiting for the right time and yeah. like a little bit more normality in my life, so
2: everybody had to say you were crazy right i
0: mean yeah
1: yeah that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> what really
2: did. got you into fighting though like what was the you know passion that kind of grabbed you into did you train like anything younger like a specific no. martial art and you just went full bore into mma
1: so i was a farm girl so okay. i was always something where are you from originally something. hillsdale michigan okay so super small town um and then I was super athletic in high school. Then I went to a D1 school. So obviously, I wasn't going to play like D1 sports. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that good at anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. um, I mean, I just found MMA and I was like, sure, like, I'll do it. I'll try it. And that's my attitude. So then I just kept doing it, kept doing it. Took some time off to finish college. And then I got this opportunity. So I'm like, I'm going to go for it.
2: That's awesome. What's, uh, what's your favorite part of, you know, training MMA? Are you, you know, do you prefer the ground? Do you like to strike?
1: I mean, I've been working a lot on striking. I love the striking a lot, but I love doing – I love the cardio part. Like, I was a cross-country runner, and I just really, Mm. like, enjoy seeing myself be able to, like, have more cardio than my opponent.
3: Right. No matter
1: where I go, no matter who I face, like I will always out cardio someone, and I really like that feeling.
0: That can be a big help, I and mean, when you see when you see people break, right, and you know yeah. that they're that they're feeling it, yep, that can be pretty cool. Did you watch Valerie's first fight? Did you? I mean, did you, Are you somebody that breaks down tape? She's obviously got a very unique style.
1: Um, yeah. So my coaches watch it in depth. I just saw a little clip of her pro fight, um, and um, I trained specifically this like when I was getting ready for this uh, for her style. Okay. So. Um, you know, I know what to expect. I've actually, I actually fought a girl that was also on the same kind of path, like very decorated, um, was extremely good with kicks. As an amateur fighter, I took my first loss as an amateur to her. Right. So whatever. But it was in Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, and it was a cool opportunity. Wow. So um, I'm hoping that this time, you know, I've I've developed so much more as a fighter that it won't be an issue. So in
0: some but ways, you feel like that maybe prepared you for this one.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, she was ju- she was on the same same level as Valerie.
0: Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, uh, provided everything goes your way, which it, I feel I feel confident in you. I think it'll get done. What's I mean, what's the goal here? As you said, you you've got this attention that people would kill for, you know, uh-huh. this early in their career. I, is the goal to to, I mean, are you want these people that wants to fight six times a year or whatever. Or do you want to take your time and, and guide your way through? I mean, you're still early, you're developing. So, g- give me an idea. What's what's the plan moving forward?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I go one fight at a time, and I'll kind of like gather myself for a week after my after this fight, and write down here's what I want to change, here's what I want to do differently, here's what we need to work on, and then I'll go into the next camp. But, um, I mean. <sighs> I think it's whatever my my team thinks is best for me, whatever my management, my coaches want to see. I know they have my best interest in mind. So, I mean, eventually, obviously, I do want to start a family. So, whether that is, like, a a break from fighting or if that's the end of my career, we'll see. But I'm definitely going to keep going with it. So, this was just a big step for me.
0: Phenomenal. Well, this is awesome. I think it's so cool that here you are this early in your career. you got an appearance here at Hooters and (laughs) – Madison Square Garden you're going to be fighting it's going to be crazy the New York crowd is nuts man we've been here a couple times they are awesome they put I mean the, the, they're, they're rowdy they're yelling it sounds like ticket sales are really good so I, I gotta imagine are you going to sleep well tonight or is it going to be yeah, tough yeah
1: I mean I'm not nervous at all you know like I'm, I love being the underdog because you're literally going in there and you're being like this is what I got I mean are you going to match it so you. I'm going to sleep great. You know, I just took a nap, so I'm ready for another, <laughs> na- another nap. So
0: I dig. All right, well, listen, we pulled you away for long enough. I appreciate the time you spent. Listen, yeah,
1: thanks so much, guys. You
0: got it. We are here for Bell Tour 222, McDonald versus Gracie. Let's do this. While we get reset, uh, the young Mike Bond had a chance to speak with his fellow Canadian, Rory McDonald, earlier this week, and uh, we'll play that in there for you now and see if you can start getting a little, little feel into the mind of Rory McDonald. What's going on? Here's uh, Mike and Rory.
2: Right, well this is a, a huge week for Canadian sports, you got yourself defending your title, you got the Raptors in the NBA Finals, uh, have you been following along with the Raptors, do you feel any extra pressure to kind of make this a, a great week for your home country?
4: Not really, uh, I was actually just talking with Danny, I, I haven't even been watching. I've seen obviously like everyone talking about it on social media, so I uh, wish them the best of luck. You,
2: you've been to some Raptors games, you infamously went to that one with uh, Conor McGregor a few years ago right?
4: I don't know if I want with Connor. I one. And you guys were doing the world tour okay was it was i don't know if he was there though okay. but uh, i remember i was with one it was a promotional thing i so yeah it was cool I, basketball was one of the, like the coolest live sporting events i've actually been to so i definitely go again well hopefully you know maybe there's a championship parade we can get you there with your belt and everything good <laughs> you you know. time. never know okay perfect
2: well this is a quick turnaround for you rory I'm um, obviously you know the the talk of your statements after the last fight well documented and everything just you know what What's this camp been like uh, after you, know, you got past kind of that post-fight media flurry and just were able to focus on yourself and kind of close yourself in?
4: Yeah, really the beginning was just getting my injuries squared away, taking some time to rest and uh, my headspace, just getting everything in line, cl- clearing everything up and uh, yeah, then it was just ho- putting in the work. And, uh, you know, being in good shape for a fight, taking a break and then training hard again, I feel in great shape. So uh, I really feel like I'll be able to put on a great performance. What ultimately factored into your decision to do
2: this fight? I know Faraz said pretty much immediately afterward, like he, you know, if it was his call, he would encourage you to do it. Um, I'm sure it wasn't 100% his call, it was yours as well, and maybe some other people, but what were the determining
4: factors? Well, um, I, I, personally I would have wouldn't have minded if the fight you know was like later on, maybe in like July or something, sure. just to because at the time my elbow and my cuts and things thinking in my head well will I be able to train properly for this or am i going to be sitting on my butt and have to fight you know with no sparring and no hard training so that that was making me think it should have been maybe fought a little later because i didn't know how my injuries were going to heal in time but they did heal fast Thank God. And I was able to train hard. Um, but uh, they, they basically were like, you got to fight or you're not in the tournament. So I wasn't really willing to do that. So would you have had to give up your belt? Yeah, I think I would have got, got the boot, so I'm going to go in there and uh, you know, show that when the, when they put pressure on me, uh, I will,
3: uh, you know,
4: I'll know come back harder and, and show that I'm a champion. You're the only guy I can
2: remember you know, basically in MMA history to have two consecutive fights where your next fight was lined up afterwards. You know, It happened after the Musashi fight, it happened after the last one. Um, it seemed like going into the Musashi fight, you kind of liked it. You're like, I like knowing what's next, all that stuff, but now maybe now like I could have wished for a little more time. I don't
4: um, even know what's after this one too, because <laughs> I know it was funny now. Yeah, so it's cool. I mean, it's nice, I guess. You know, to have a bit of uh, of uh, a guide, so to speak, where it's like normally you just kind of just waiting around till you get the next name yeah, and that saves people
2: like myself asking you every interview what's next yes right so we,
4: we know <laughs>
2: do you know like if there's any timeline for that final when they want it or anything like that or is it all gonna be
4: dependent are you gonna be like hey give me a, a bit of time after this well, one i need time yeah. um I, i'm having a son in, in uh the beginning of august so um me and my wife want to have some time for that to, you know you know just reorganize this new uh, new uh, addition to our family so we'll, we'll need some time with that and then once we get our ground we'll be able to train for a fight. so maybe the end of the year ish maybe I don't know somewhere like that
2: yeah that'd be a well-deserved break for sure um, and just with this fight with Neiman I mean you are used to fighting you know very recognizable names veterans people who have been around this guy has not been around all that long even though he's 7-0 in Bellator um, what do you just make of him as an
4: opponent what's kind of your scouting report on him? at this point? Well, he's very good. He's fighting for the world title. So, you know, I can't overlook him because he's only got nine fights. Because um, I was once that guy too where I was on my way up. And maybe those veterans who are used to fighting other veterans, thinking I'm just gonna squash this young guy, but I don't I don't look at it that way. I'm I'm fighting for the world title, and I uh, I plan on putting my A game in there, no matter who I'm up against. So
2: yeah, and you mentioned you know, earlier in your career, obviously you know, that just instantly makes me think back to the fight with Carlos Condon, and like you were obviously doing super well, you're on a roll there. But you know the veteran maybe has some tactics, and things that he's able to utilize. Is there a point in this fight? Are things you can do in this fight to maybe real like show him this is a different level? You know, everyone talks about there's levels to the
4: sport. Absolutely, I mean, when you have experience, it's it's key. Um, that was one thing I was missing when I first got into the high level of UFC competition, um, but now that I have it, it's uh, it's one of my it's one of my uh, strengths now that I could use. Against maybe someone like Neiman who doesn't have that yet. And you've obviously fought some really good grapplers, Damian Maya, John Fitch, in your last
2: fight, and you've survived you know dangerous positions on the ground with them. But obviously Neiman, you know, comes from the Gracie background. Is it more important than maybe in those fights to avoid those situations in terms of like not even getting
4: them in them period, as opposed to fighting your way out of them? I'll definitely be fighting similar. Um, I don't want to give. I don't want to get the fights to a place where his strengths could take advantage. Um, so I'm always going to be trying to implement my game um, and shut down all his attacks, you know. try to work towards his his game plan so uh yeah i I feel like i have the skills to do that too i and the experience and the and the iq to be able to you know coordinate the fight and and manage the fight and you win this
2: tournament there's on top of having the belt another tournament belt that you get. there's that one million dollar prize you mentioned having another child in august like how much does that do for you and you know potentially changing your life
4: yeah it's it's a, a huge deal for us i mean uh You know, this is my career, this is how I I support my family, and this is how we make our money. So, um, what a a blessing it would be. Um, So, you know, God willing, uh, praying for that to all go through.
0: All right, welcome back to the MA Road Show. That was Mike Bond with his fellow countryman there, Roy McDonald, the champ, the Bellator welterweight champ. I was actually the camera guy for that cold coffee back home. I'm serving a different role this week. We're doing things a little bit different. So, Mike, let's get your thoughts on it, man. I mean, I think uh, we kind of mentioned it there. What a fun way to start out. <laughs> That's great, yeah, man. That's great. She was great. Larkin Dash is, is phenomenal, and she had great energy. But, um, you know. Roy mcdonald it was look at this I man i think everybody's got the same questions right i mean when this fight was announced i, mean, I guess it wasn't really announced we kind of already knew when it was going to be scheduled and all that but i think everybody had the same concerns right like i mean this guy we just saw him say i, I don't know if i can do this anymore and i don't want to judge him for that like I, I hope i'm not like i don't ever want to the the honesty is amazing and i get it man I mean, we talk to these fighters all the time this is a mentally taxing game man, more than a physically taxing game but I think everybody was worried. You know, is he physically okay and recovered from that fight? Is he mentally in the right place? Uh, and, and, you know, I guess with Neiman Gracie, the good news is you're not talking about somebody that's probably going to come in dropping bombs, trying to knock you out. You know, but it, it can get frustrating, you know, grappling and defending takedowns and trying to battle off choke attempts and all that. But, I mean, based on Rory's body language this week, based on your talking with him, give me an idea where you, where you think his head's at and, and are you concerned this could be a bad night for him?
2: I don't know. I mean, like, I, Neiman Gracie is definitely capable of winning, even against, you know, I think the uh, the best version of Rory McDonald. He's, he's a good fighter. We don't know how good, but yep. if what we've seen from Neiman Gracie so far is any indication of, like, you know, where he can go, I think, you know, he's got a real chance against any version of Rory. Yep. Um, it's interesting, like, what you said there about he's not, you know, a guy who maybe... Like, he'll choke you out. He might arm bar you and break your arm, but, you know, he's not, like, necessarily a knockout threat. I think maybe that's what Rory thrives off, though, more so. Like, I think that could be part of the problem. Like, you're going into a fight against John Fitch. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's probably going to grind you out for five rounds and, like, maybe, you know, beat you up a little bit. But you're not going to, you know, it's not a Robbie Lawler type of, like, oh, crap, like, I could be left face first on the canvas. Like, this could be real, real bad. So I think maybe that plays into it. But, the overall question, I am way more satisfied from what I've seen from him this week than the last fight week that he had. Even going in, like, you know, he had that weird interview with Steven right. Rocco in San Jose where, like, the whole thing was just about his faith. And, you know, that was the line of questioning that Steven chose to pursue. Right. Um, there's no secrets that that's become a big part of Rory's life. If you look at, like, his Instagram and his Twitter, it's all, like, you know, Bible verses and stuff like that. Um but just, like, the vibe I'm getting from him, he, he seemed a lot better, in a better place, better energy going yeah. into this one. I think, I don't know, I time will tell, obviously. We'll find out, like, in the result, if this was, like, you know, a warning sign or an indicator or if it was just, like, a moment of, you know, I don't know, whatever, he was he was going through something and he just thought it and felt a certain way. But I don't know. I think it's really hard to see say, like, until... We see the fight, but I am definitely I could say like with confidence that I like what I see out of him more so during this week than the last one.
0: I agree. I feel I feel like there's a better energy just being around him. You know, listen to your guys' yeah. conversation. It feels like there's a much better energy. It feels like he's better place. And you know, uh, you know, you talked a lot about the religious faith and everything. Obviously, he has a, a very pregnant girlfriend as well, or, yep. or fiance, or whatever they yeah, are. Wife, but wife. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, that, I mean, I imagine that's a time for reflection, you know. I mean, everybody talks about dad, cowboy, and all that. But, I mean, listen, I can tell you as a father, you, your life starts changing. Your priorities start changing. Um, and, and she is very visibly about to pop here pretty soon. Yeah, and <laughs> so. him, and
2: if they – at the end of the day, like, what happens after this tournament, we'll see. But if a million-dollar prize doesn't get you off your ass to, like, you know, we know he's a good fighter, but, like, if you can't get motivated for that, right. then, like, okay, maybe you should think about yeah, not doing this anymore. because that helps set like, up your He family. has a championship belt on the line. He has a potential million dollars, like, one fight away. It's, you know, basically the dream scenario for any fighter. Yeah. So, like, if that doesn't get his juices flowing, if he's still not up for that then uh, yeah maybe this isn't for him anymore i'll
0: tell you what though it is interesting because i'll be honest i hadn't even thought about what you said before because to me i was like well this is a safe spot that's good you know it's not like anybody's going to come you know looking to touch the chin i mean you're, you're going to have to you know as you said it's not like fighting john fish but, but i hadn't thought about that he kind of thrives in those in those moments too and maybe that's what gets him going so dude,
2: so think about it after after that second Robbie allar fight where, you know, there's the horrific image of him like trying to get off the ground and like, you know, collapse back down. He said in an interview, like his first interview after, I was the best night of his life. And that was the greatest <laughs> moment. Like he he enjoyed that more than anything. And like I think that guy is gone. Like right. it does not seem like that Roy McDonald exists anymore. He doesn't talk, you know, the, the serial killer Roy McDonald. Right. Like when have you heard anyone talk about that recently? There's nobody. There's no vibes from that anymore. So it's uh it's interesting in that scenario. He's definitely evolved and changed and He's been doing this for so long, and he started so young. But it, it does really seem like the religion thing has been the overall biggest effector on him. What did you end
0: up doing on your picks? Did you end up going with Roy? Was and, and let's qualify it. Was it just a Canadian homer pick, or did, or did no, you? No,
2: I still think Roy. I mean, again, I said off the top, Neiman is good. Yeah. He can win this fight, but like it's one of those things that I, until I see it, yeah. I just can't pull the trigger on it and like maybe after the fight we'll be like shit what was i mean gracie submitted him in the first round this guy's really damn good he's a top five seven welterweight in the entire world but right now just based off what i know about these two guys like Roy mcdonald we've seen him against damian maya against john fitch like he, he's got good defensive grappling never been submitted um he, he knows what he's doing in terms of defending himself on the ground and not yeah. letting him get in those bad scenarios i
0: think i ended up going with neiman and admittedly some of it was the questions around Roy. I think just what Neiman did to Ed Ruth I don't think he's going to submit him but man what Neiman did to Ed Ruth I thought was impressive the way he beat him you know just mm-hmm. the, 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 to be able to take down a storied wrestler like that and uh, I have a feeling we might be in for a, a bit of a grind fest and that's what I wonder you know does Rory does his mind wander in there you know when he's like ah oh, dude here I am defending another takedown here I am walking my back to the cage again, and trying to get back up, and yeah. trying to battle the hands, does he just go, ah, oh, I don't even like this Yeah, anymore.
2: I mean, there definitely could be a breaking point that we see in that in that fight, and I'm sure that's what Neiman Grace is going to be trying to do, but on the other side, we've never really seen Neiman in trouble, like, seriously tested, you know, what happens if Rory, you know, plants that kick that he hit John Fitch in the face with on Neiman, like, it could be lights out, so, it, there's a lot of interesting elements that go into this fight, and I think that's what makes it a challenge, but there's a lot of pressure on Neiman going into this fight, it's too, true. man, like, the a Gracie can finally Win in a major MMA championship after all these years. It's crazy it's how uh, long they've gone in between, right? It's a lot of pressure, so we'll we'll see how he handles that. This is a—he's never experienced anything like this. I mean, Ed Ruth is a very competent opponent and everything, but it's just a different world, you know, fighting someone like Roy McDonald.
0: You think there's more pressure on Neiman than there was on on Crone, or less? Like, I I feel like I feel like less. because it's not a USC fight. Yeah. Like, even though even yeah, though it's a, yeah, yeah. it's like tournament title all that, like I feel like. And and I think with Krohn, of course, it was because he was Hickson's son too, and mm-hmm. Hickson has like this aura and this legend about him, right? But I do feel like like when Krohn stepped in, there was just like unbelievable amount of of of, of pressure, where it's like, dude, yeah. you got to represent. And
2: I think yeah, he's shown Neiman has. Their styles are a little different. Like Crone has slightly and different. He's a guy. They're yeah. different human beings. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> very different. But you know, Crone goes in there. He beats you know Kawajiri and what like his third fight or something. Like he's was proven or like that he could beat good guys way earlier than Neiman did. You know, right. he, he got the Bellator treatment. Yeah, he got built up. He's seven and zero in Bellator, nine and zero overall. So they you know they did well and if he wins this fight you'll be like hey you know scott coker did it again he built up a guy from nothing and turned him into a legitimate top 10 top five welterweight so it's interesting
0: too that's such an interesting path too because that's what i think that's a huge like if you're a prospect and you're thinking about where do i want to go where do i want to go like and i know fighters have a different mindset dude like they're not like me and you like they they say i want to fight the best person and they really mean it me i would be like I want to fight the easiest person available that I can still get <laughs> yeah. paid. You know, exactly. what, I mean? what is the path of least resistance? Exactly. And Bellator has that luxury. I mean, it was the, it was it's the Scott Coker model, right? Did it with Strike Force, done with Bellator. Yep. Gets criticized sometimes. Those you know, people say like MVP should have been facing better people. AJ McKee should have faced better better people by now. But I mean, it's good. I think to get those reps, especially when they're getting these guys, and they have to. They've got to roll the dice on these people early in their careers because if you wait till a guy is ten or twelve and zero. He's going to the UFC.
2: Yeah, you just never know. And, I mean, this, I think, rolls perfectly into the conversation I had with Dylan Dennis at Media Day as well. Like, I more or less talked about this. And he, I was thinking it in the back of my head, but he brought it up on his own. He's like, look at Aaron Pico. You know, like, that's – there's basically three sides to every fight booking. Like I said, you know, there's the fighter, what they want, what the management wants, and what the promoter wants. Right. And you need to come together and find what gels best in that scenario. And, you know, I think Coker does it better than others, but I think you could criticize that maybe it goes on a little too long in some I scenarios. I guess that's, like it's,
0: that's the that's the feel, right? It's just mastering that point of, yes, bringing them along, but but finding a, a true it's test It's
2: just one. a weird one, right? Because then you look at MVP and, you know, Douglas Lima – May very well be the best welterweight on earth Like you can make that argument He's really damn good Um, You know a lot of people get shut off by him So like there's no shame in it But yeah like you could was he MVP ready after all that time? Would he be less ready three fights ago if they did it? Would he be more ready? Like, you just yeah. don't know. But at some point, like, there's a proper scenario. Like, I think, you know, especially if you're starting someone and O right. or something like that, like, you give them a handful of fights, but, like, at what point, at some point, they need to make the jump, and at some point people get sick of seeing them being A set matchup or whatever you know, right? that, yeah.
0: that, that feels the way. Yeah, no question. All right, let's get to, uh, we'll, we will get to Dylan Dan in some moment, but let's do this. Uh, you had a good interview with Chelsea Sonnen as well. Chell Sonnen fighting Luida Machida, a couple MMA Legends, there. Uh, let's uh, let's play that interview so everybody can hear that, and then we'll talk about some of the things that were said. And unlike the interview that uh, I put out on video, I left in the very
3: first part where he
0: <laughs> told you some funny stuff. Oh, no. And this is this is Jayle and Mike. All right, here when you are, Mike.
3: I must tell you, I have a really bad breath. There's nothing I can do. It's really okay. <laughs> so I can hardly be around myself. I just don't want you to leave here and go, hey, man, I, 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 okay. I, I got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Worse with
2: it's it. It's all right, I forgive you. All right. Mike Bond here at Bellator 222 Media Day, saying next to Chael Sonnen, who co-headlines this card against Lyoto Machida, your 15th career fight against a former world champion Co- of a major Co- organization.
3: headlines What kind of an expression is that? What does that mean? The co-main event. Uh, excuse me, the main event. R- the main Rory is the encore. I am the main event. I like that one. I haven't heard yes. that one before. Yes. No, I'm being real with you. Rory McDonald is the encore. He should call himself the encore.
2: You were originally at the top yeah, of the bill.
3: Look at him, sitting in the middle. The king sits on the end. Huh? Look at this. This was my seat. I got up from it to do this interview because you asked me to and you dressed so nicely for it I thought I should do it your way
2: true story you were originally the encore
3: and then they put you in the main event what happened there yes uh, you just use my oh. I, uh, it's pretty good Mike I must tell you okay listen here's what happened they are fighting for the world championship in fairness the world championship goes last that's just the fair way to do it. Unless you're Horiguchi and Caldwell, then you go first. Are they opening the show? I've actually always wondered where they've been. I assumed it was the, it was me and Machida, then who you just said versus Caldwell. What's Horiguchi? Nobody knows for sure, but that somebody is taking on Caldwell, and then the encore, and then I thought no, those guys fine, some, and and then it's it's been a little bit of a mess. Eventually they will call my name and I'll make that walk. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And as I tried to say, you
2: know, fifteenth former world champion of a major organization, your fighting. Um, just talk about fighting that level of high-level competition over and over and over and over is that that's what you want I know that right
3: yeah, well I must tell you I, I'll fight any of them no I wouldn't mind an easy fight or a middle fight anybody that wanted to fight me I, 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 I will go fight and I had guys in my career Jeremy Horn comes to mind uh, but they gave me opportunities when they didn't have to gave me opportunities when, when I was begging for it and they were up here and I was down here and I appreciate those guys and I will hand that I will hand that back anytime and if I can't defend myself and they can get over on me then good for them that's the business but uh, as far as taking on machines or taking on champions. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's the way it seems to go. I've had a I've had a hard schedule. No way about it. If you look at my resume, it's been a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: where does Machia fit in? Do you think to the in terms of the most difficult opponents?
3: Yeah. So I'd have to tell you that after this fight. But looking at it going in from like say an intimidation factor, he's right up there. Just because he's so weird. I just don't have I don't have anybody in Portland that does what he does. We don't hold stint. We don't do karate. I mean, I thought in my mind we settled this debate of wrestlers versus karate guys in 1993. That's what I thought happened. But somehow he stuck around, and that's a credit to him. That's not as an insult, but somehow he's found a way to make a sport that sucks effective in truth.
2: How has his style evolved, do you think? Because it seemed like there was a point there, you know, end of his title reign, a few f- losses after, maybe he was getting figured out a little bit, then he dropped to middleweight, got some new success there. Like, what version
3: is he now? Like, is he someone that you fully kind of know what to expect, or is it still a lot of mystery there? I think I know what to expect a lot more than some of the guys that had to fight him early on, just because there's more footage. I don't totally know how to deal with it. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, is, it is unique. I'll only get one crack at this thing. I worked really hard. I trained really hard. But as far as preparing with somebody that does what he does, that just simply didn't happen for me. And... Um you know, I think he's done a very good job. People ask me where he's at in his career. I'll remind you, in his last fight, he beat the former world champion. So had he had that fight six months prior, he'd be the current world champion. So, I mean, I think he's right up there in skills. Yeah, and the reason you
2: keep wanting these big fights too is because it takes you in the trajectory of the title, right, which is your ultimate goal. Um, does This this one puts you on the doorstep, right?
3: Yeah, this is said to be the number one contender's fight, but it puts me in a really weird spot. Like, generally, you would be chasing the champion. I mean, that is the general rule of the business. That's the general rule in, in life in any business. Ryan Bader sucks. Ryan Bader can't draw. People don't know who Ryan Bader is. So Ryan Bader as the champion has to beg me to come in and fight. It's, and rules are totally reversed. He's got to beg me to be the one to, number one contender. I don't like Ryan Bader. I've got a history with Ryan Bader. I want to be champion. I don't know if I want to do Ryan Bader that favor. And I've given him the opportunity to win me over. I've never felt he called me out the right way. He never affected my ego. And I never fed he, uh, felt he shined up my wheels enough to make me then come and do something for him. I think he's playing his cards wrong. I think he needs to be a little nicer to Old Chael, quite frankly. Or he needs to be a little bit meaner to Old Chael. But he seems to be sitting in the middle of the road, which is why in his meager little career, a fight with me would be five times five times anything he's ever done before. So until I like Ryan Bader a little bit more, which I really don't see happening, I'm not giving him the sh- I'm not giving him the opportunity to fight me even though he's champion how do you like that interesting so uh,
2: i could maybe agree with the part maybe he's not the biggest draw doesn't have the biggest name but two division champion why does he suck
3: yeah well skill wise i think he does a fine job i think he's got a couple of tricks i think as a competitor he is coming further and further Um, I also acknowledge his heavyweight championship. I was in that tournament. I mean, one of the one of the deals going in the tournament was whoever walks out of this, there's no politics here. It's a straight line bracket. So I will give him his due on that, but I mean, look, he's got to do his part. You know, if he wants to get on a docket with me, he has to do his part. And just, just being the champion and bringing that to the table, that's a lot. Because I want that championship. I mean, that's a lot. But he's not in the driver's seat. And he's going to have to do something to get
2: my interest. And you mentioned the championship. And I read that really great uh, piece you did on ESPN.com. And you were reiterating the goal. You're going to keep going until you make, you know, accomplish that goal and make that promise to your father. Um, is that a lot of pressure to put on yourself? I mean, that seems like something, you know, a, a lot of weight that you're putting on yourself there to accomplish that goal.
3: Yeah, man. And it's, uh, I, I don't really know how that came out, I, and at this point I almost regret it, I wish I would have kept that a personal motivation for myself, but uh, yeah, yeah, it is a lot of pressure. Yeah. And if, you, you know, if it didn't work out for
2: you, would that you know, really hurt you at the end of the day, or t- can you feel content with you know, doing what you've done?
3: Oh, no no no, 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 no. I'll either win the championship or I will be a failure. Yeah, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I was told when I was 17 years old by Matt Lindland, and we were both on uh, wrestling quests at that time, but he told me that you cannot retire unless you win a world championship. You can only quit, and I don't want to be a quitter. Interesting, and we've seen, you know, speaking of retirement, seeing a lot of notable fighters
2: walk away recently, King Mo, Alexander Gustafson, you know, list goes on and on, why? Is yeah. this just a weird,
3: is this just a weird coincidence kind you know of thing, what, timing right now? That hurt for me. That Which one? hurt for me to see uh, King Mo walk away. I had no idea, I talked to Mo all the time, he never even alluded to that. Plus, I think he's fighting very well, quite frankly. I don't love his strategy at all times, but as far as his skills go, I watch I watch King Mo, and I'm, I'm so impressed with him. I'm so, I am just think he's such a good, good fighter, good ambassador for the sport, great guy to be around. Uh, but privately his body was hurting you know he was having some injuries he was having some he was having to go, then going to fights injured he wasn't being able to train the way he wanted to he retired but yeah that was that was sad for me and last thing, we were talking to... Gus, Lee. too. Quite frankly, Gus, too. You know, I, di- I didn't see the Gus one coming. I don't, I don't have the personal relationship with Gus that I do with Mo, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. And uh, I, I was watching. I thought he looked great. I thought Gus looked absolutely great. He got pinned down in one bad position. It was the same position that John Jones put him in. I thought, well, Gus, let's just work on that position. The rest of your ski looked great. I disagree with him. I, I don't think it's time for him to retire.
2: Interesting. And last thing, uh, we were talking to Machida earlier, and he said he's being surprised at the lack of talk from you leading up to this fight. I know you say you don't talk trash, you talk truth. So give us the truth about Leota Machida. Uh, and you know if it's kind, it's kind, if it's not, it's not.
3: Yeah, and, and that's the way it is. I've, I've never sold fights, I've never talked trash. In my opinion, I mean, I, I have some so, some real feelings, some of them uh, maybe just carried over to Ryan Bader a moment ago, but I don't make those things up. Ryan Bader knows what, he, he knows what this is about. He's, he's known about this for a number of years and he knew eventually this was gonna come out publicly. So uh, as far as Machida goes, he seems like a really nice guy. I met his wife, she seems like a really nice person. I met his kids, two beautiful children. He just seems like a great dude. How do you beat him? I got to crowd him. I got to get my hands on him. I don't want to deal in that range. I don't want to deal with that, that that karate stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna taunt him early on, trying to get him to throw a kick. I think at some point he has to throw it. Even if I do an interview like this, and I think he has to do it. He's been doing it since he was eight years old. I do not think he can control himself. And when he throws a kick like everybody before him, I will run his ass down, and he will never get up. chill well, I really appreciate the time as always. This is this isn't yes, quite. Some guys just say that. Some guys say that because it's a polite. Th- but you mean it. I can tell you mean it. Thank you. for and, that. It's not quite as extravagant. We did the. Uh, a big Rolling Stone interview a few sure. years ago. We did an arm
2: wrestle. We did last year the, on the Viacom uh, balcony there yes. out in Times Square. It's not quite as extravagant, but it's always good to talk but to you. You
3: dressed even nicer, huh? It's this, true. Is,
2: this is something. I had, I had to lift it up a little no, bit.
3: Your mother's watching this. She's very proud right now. Congratulations.
2: All right. Thank you, Chale. Appreciate it. Cool.
3: Appreciate you.
0: All right. That was Mike Bond and a very bad breathed uh, Chail son, and he was able to share that with the, the young Mike Bond as they got started, which I, I, I didn't smell anything. So, <laughs> so I, I was wondering if he was actually just kind of, maybe he was just, you know, having a little having a little fun. Maybe. I don't know. Or or maybe it was it's always bad. hard to tell Chael. <laughs> like, how would you ever know? So good. All right. But listen, uh, all right. But we'll, we'll talk about the match itself. But, um, man, Chael, of course, Chale is always going to give you some lines. I, lo- I love the fact that he's the main event. You know, and that and the other one's the encore. Brilliant! I love that. You know, and he's always going to have a little fun. But, um, man, I, 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 the line that he said. I mean, it really did stick with me. Where he's like, you, you know, unless you're a champion, you can't retire. You just quit. And it's funny because you can tell, or at least the way I, I said, it wasn't just some cliche line to him. No. Like, I think he really honestly believes that. And, of course, this story's been told many times over, The you know, the promise that he made to his father that he would do it. And so, I mean, I know that that means What's something to him. was interesting
2: They said he regrets saying that in public. Though. That's
0: what I thought was incredible because, as you correctly pointed out, man, that puts a lot of pressure on you that, that you got to get this done. I, I don't know. I just – that the, the, that moment of reflection there for Chael, um, I thought was pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. No, He's he's a fascinating guy, and it's a ton of pressure to put on yourself. I mean, I couldn't imagine that's like – yeah, I, I don't even know how to compare that to. That's like you know, going telling your kid or something, be like, I promise I'm gonna win this fight or something. Then you come home and you lose. Yeah, what happened? Like, yeah, it's it's a lot to deal with, and it's like an unnecessary pressure in some ways. But again, you know, he's gonna say what he's gonna say. He has this relationship with his dad. But yeah, maybe that's something you internalize a little more. But you know, credit to him for saying it because it puts a ton more pressure. And I don't think anyone is gonna be like, you know, if Chael Son never wins a major championship. And he retires from MMA. No one's gonna be like talking about the career and be like, you know, Chael Son had these. You know, he was a great talker. He had the amazing rivalry with Anderson Silva, etc. List goes on, but. Broke that promise to his late father, <laughs> like you know, no one's oh, yeah. gonna be saying that. They're gonna be like, they're gonna talk about positives, but yeah. I mean, but
0: he will always be, you know, the guy that was good but didn't win the big one, right? Sure. I mean, I mean he'll, that that I mean, and I'm not taking a shot at him. I'm just saying that would be his reputation, right? But I mean,
2: to it's me, yes, too, because he did win the big one, in WEC against Paul Phillip, but he never got the belt, which is that crap. That's true. That is it's so crap. true. Like he should have a notable title. And he was him. promised that he was gonna, they were gonna send it to him, right? Yeah, but he, even if they did, like Still it's not it, in his mind, it's not legitimate. He didn't get that wrapped his waist in the center of the cage yeah. by whomever it's like obviously a different feel he doesn't have the photos of him you know actually getting that moment of glory that's right so that i'm sure that makes it a little more tough
0: but i'll tell you what to me chael whether he ever wins a title or not i mean he transcended that i think i mean he has been so uh formative in in the sport and such i mean think about how long he's been in, in the public eye and been at the center i mean he's still a draw he's incredibly popular yeah. and i mean even now i mean He's he's working for ESPN and Bellator, and I mean he's on. I, I tweeted this <laughs> out like a
2: few weeks ago. It's <laughs> How is that like possible? turn on a Bellator UFC fight every week. There's a good chance you're gonna get Chael Sonnen somewhere on the broadcast. Right? Like he's the only for person. any
0: organization.
2: It's crazy. It's absolutely <laughs> it's crazy, and yeah, and he's, he's so well spoken.
0: Uh, he's so educated, man. He's such a good dude, and I, and I think I'm, I think I'm glad that people are now seeing it because I, I remember when he was at the height of Chael shtick. You know, there were people that literally hated his guts. And yeah. it's like, man, I wish you knew how this guy was behind the scenes because he's a totally different human being.
2: Yeah, I mean, he. The, the story with him has just been so crazy. Like, I remember when we were at – whatever UFC event in Vancouver a few years ago, and, like, the news broke that, you know, he retired on, uh, you know, UFC Tonight or whatever. And, right. like, we wrote the story in the newspaper and, like, this big thing about him talking about his family and, like, doing all this, this, and this. And then we basically find out, like, a few days later that the whole thing was BS. And that, like, you know, he basically played everyone for a fool. Right. And I still have that newspaper article, like, at home <laughs> in my folder. Really? <laughs> yeah, like, I try to keep all the ones I do in print, but, like, I just flip through sometimes and I see that. I was like, wow, like... You know, that was a dark time for him, but, like, look where he's come back. Like, that guy's ability to go through stuff and rebound and build himself up Tough is Teflon Don, remarkable. right? Just nothing and sticks. Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the actual fight itself, yeah. but we're talking about the title stuff. Like, I would like to see him get that opportunity, and I'm getting more and more captivated by this potential Ryan Bader fight because it seems like he knows something about Bader from, the, like, their past experience right. that we don't. But I think Bader's kind of at his peak right now, and chill. you know, he's 42, so... You never know. But I I would like to see that fight, not saying I hope he wins or anything. I mean, he's definitely
0: laying the groundwork for it, right? And it does make sense. I mean, uh, I think uh, Coker came out and said that Bader is going to fight Congo next at heavyweight, but then maybe – Maybe go to light heavyweight. It, it, I mean,
2: it's just so, so tough for Chael though, because it's like, look at the guys he's had to run into for the title, like Anderson Silva twice, John Jones, and now like Ryan Bader. Who, say what you will, you know, maybe earlier in his career not the flashy guy, but he's he's a pound for pound fighter right now. He's got two belts, strong, he's done powerful incredible, dude. Yeah, he's done incredible stuff. So like, he's just running into matchups that are. Yeah, really, really tough for him, so we'll see if he can ever accomplish that goal.
0: All right, let's talk about this matchup that he's got right now. Leona Machida, obviously a a veteran of the game as well. He's getting up there in age also. I wonder – I know he doesn't ever do, like, crazy open workouts, but were you kind of surprised at, like, how non-movement there was? I don't know, it just – the, yeah. the open workout that we had outdoors. That here. Whole open
2: workout kind of just meh with everyone Yeah, involved, and, and he normally
0: him. he normally does cool like
1: Yeah, you the know, one in Hawaii p- was dope. It was. and, and it was
2: here cool. and because it was like on a beach and stuff and it made it a that little bit more Yeah, really cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Vers- versus just the corner of a New York street. a <laughs> <laughs> we're outside a square of Madison yeah Garden, of yeah, it was yeah, like smelling a garbage hot dog standing kind of a little bit of a little bit of It's just bit of a little
2: bit of a little I of a Like bit of a little bit of a little I of a little bit time a little like of a
0: little bit of a little bit no, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm if I'm reading too much into it. I just his open workout was very just blah. there wasn't much to it and I didn't see much out of it. So it kinda worries me. He's been in good spirits, you know, I've talked to him a couple times and Think it may be an injury or something. I don't or know. Yeah, like it just yeah. That's what it scares me a little bit. I don't know, I don't know. I just didn't know if you observed it and thought the Maybe same thing at the workout.
2: Um, I mean, I was kind of working and stuff, so like I was you know, doing some stuff on the side. So I didn't get a real, real good look. I kind of just saw them doing their thing, and I was like, okay, this kind of just looks like a yeah. normal Machida thing, but I didn't see the earlier part. But yeah, I mean, it's a possibility, and um, Fiazir, they're probably making a more competitive fight, but <laughs> like, you know, not, no disrespect did to you kill, take? Lo- did this you is literally lo- like... Leoto Machida, this is the style of matchup that he's ate this kind of dude alive his entire career. Yep. Like this is tailor-made Machida type fight that he's destroyed these guys over and over and over and over throughout his career. I mean, so, it plays
0: like, into right because like he's he's going to be a counter striker. He needs you to come at him, right? And what does Chael have to do to win? I mean, Chael can't stay on the outside and try and, to kickbox with him.
2: Interestingly enough, though, in that Chael interview we just played, Chael has said go back through like almost any pre-fight interview. You know, what's going to happen in this fight? He says every time. Game plan's always the same. The bell's going to ring. I'm going to go across the cage, try to put him on his back and beat a hole in him and not let him up till like, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But he said this time, he's like, oh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to dance with him a little bit. At some point, he's going to throw a kick, and I'm going to catch that and put him on his back, and he's not getting good. back up. Yep. It's a little bit of a different take. I don't sure. know if that's just because, you know, he was trying to be a little more open with me or whatever, but, like, he went off script, his <laughs> usual script on that one, yeah, what he says. So that's interesting. Maybe he has a slightly different approach. And I think you need to, like, Machida, can't just, I mean, I guess you could just go out there and try Bull to do that, but that, that's probably a bad idea. Like, he'll probably clip you. How many times have we seen guys walk over right into Machida's real Ryan Bader?
0: Over and, so and over. Did you take Machida in, in the
2: picks? I actually picked Chael, Did I you? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was, like, more of a homer pick, but <laughs> we'll see. I think I did. I honestly can't remember at this point. I'm pretty sure I picked Chael. Uh,
0: um, I picked Loyola, but I, I'm... It's funny. So I think yeah, you picked Chael and you're waffling. I picked Leota and I'm waffling now. Yeah,
2: I mean, at this point, the staff picks. I'm just, I'm just middleman. I've been a middle. I won the first year ever. I think in 2014. And I've just been hovering in the center, like ever since. I, I don't know what it is. So. That's
0: funny. You got yeah. hot at one point. I've never won. Damn it! I'm always in like third or fourth, right uh, around there, up, up, towards the top. I always, mine is always want to pick the prelims. I feel like I'm so much better at picking the prelims because, like, now belt tour cards would normally be hard. This one's a little <laughs> it's bit easier, but tough. But yeah, but UFC prelims. I feel like it's like. I you know after after you've interviewed people a whole bunch you know they're they're well into their careers I feel like I have a harder time like dissociating emotions it is. from my picks so it's like on the prelims where it's like guys that I've I've never met or I've only met once or something it's like. I, I can very clearly evaluate what their style is, what their skill is, and how it's going to play out. Yep. But as, as like I said, you interview ten, fifteen, twenty times or whatever, like I, I don't know, I start to develop feelings for the people. It is,
2: and you know, you're not supposed to do that, quote unquote. But like, it's human emotion. Like, tell me, you know, you get to know someone, bonds form, and you know, even if it's completely like impartial, you just see these people and you just start to feel a certain way. But um, I don't know who first said this quote, but. I feel like covering the sport, the more you learn about it, the less you know in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, particularly when it comes to the fights themselves. Because so you're like, yeah, so much crazy stuff can happen. We've seen so many things. How many mm-hmm. fights have you sat cage side for where like, you know, the entire range of everything that's going to happen. Anish and Silva snapping his leg oh. in the half to, you know, these crazy yeah. upsets. Just
0: when you think you haven't seen, like, there's nothing new to see, something new happen. Yeah, happens. you
2: see Raymond Daniels doing, like, a 360 <laughs> one-punch KO thing. Crazy. Like, it's, it's nuts. So, yeah, I think that, that rings true. Like, it, the sport is so unpredictable, and the more you learn about it, the less <laughs> you know, I think.
0: No question. All right, well, here – that's a perfect segue because there's a guy that it seems the more you learn about him, the less you know, and that is Dylan Dennis. Uh, an interesting character, man. I, I don't think we need to set up very much, uh, you know, what this guy is about. He's, uh, he's a polarizing character to say the least. man. He's, he's definitely uh, confident in, in what he does. Um, and, and you had a chance to speak with him. But I thought – Dylan did a great job in this interview as well. Like I didn't, I don't think he gave you shtick, man. I feel like he gave you some actual good stuff. So uh, let's hear a little bit. And I promise, don't turn it off. Don't don't hate the guy. Let's 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 hear Dylan Dennis.
2: Dylan, uh, welcome back to MMA. It's been a you know long break for you after the first fight. Um, how how are you different coming into fight number two than fight number one?
5: I don't think I'm different. I mean, I only had 40 or 60 seconds in there. I don't know how long the fight was. so It's the same same feelings, really. I mean, I, I'm just kind of learning on the go with all this. But uh, I've been in big matches and big, you know, super fights my whole life, so I kind of know the feelings. But, I mean, like, let's be honest, Like, this is only my second fight. Most of these guys have 16, 17 fights, so just getting used to it and just going on the fly, you know. Kind of going with the punches. Yeah. I'd imagine you'd say you're you're better everywhere, right? After all this time oh, yeah, off of and continuing to train. Yeah, man. I mean, always. I'm always training. I'm always training hard. So it doesn't really matter. Like there is no opponent. You know, it's all about me and. The-
2: yeah, And, I mean, can you take us back to the first fight a little bit? Like, obviously, it was a really fast fight, but was there anything that maybe going into this fight that won't be there? Less
5: nerves, you know, those kind of things? It wasn't too much of Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, there was nerves, like adrenaline dumps, you know, like people say the UFC jitters. That was way bigger than UFC jitters for most of the guys that have it. You know, that was 1-0 and going into a main car with – I mean, sorry, 0 and 0 going into a main car with probably – every all the MMA community watching all the MMA footers watching every guy tweeted after that every you know so that was way bigger than UFC judders and I went in there and you know dominated so um, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna take that experience with me for the rest of my career and like it just keeps building up until one day I'm gonna have to fight for that belt and I'm gonna be like, I'm fucking seeing everything, you know? Yeah, what's it like?
2: You know, you mentioned the belt. You got, I assume you're gonna be a welter, I know this is a catchweight fight, but you see the champion right here, you, you know, all these guys. What's what's the emotions when you, you know, are in proximity to that title you
5: want right there? I just see food, like, you know what I mean? I see, like, what I want, I see, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's weird for me, like. I believe I could. Like, I, I knew I could beat these guys like five years ago. Like I've been training with guys. I don't, I, I don't know, man. I just, I just know what I'm destined for, and that's the thing. When people are like, "Oh, can you deal with this hay and this?" and I'm like, "Man, I know what I'm going to do. I know this and that." So like, fuck what everybody thinks. Really, you know, man. I'm, I'm a different level than everybody. I feel like. I feel like there's no one that can even compare to me and like my mind and in, in, in the game. So. Everything will show.
2: Yeah. So how do you take things going forward? Because obviously, you know, there's three different sides to this. You know, there's Bellator, what they want to do with you. I'm sure your management sees things a certain way, and you see things a certain way. How do you strike a balance of what makes sense for your career path?
5: I always felt like, because I've seen people's careers, I've seen guys that start off and they go too fast, this, that, you know. So I feel like there's always listening to the people that you care about and the people that have been with you since day one and, and people that have been with you through the hard times. And, you know, just listening. I feel like... The people that care about you will give you the best advice, you know, and like obviously I weigh up what I want to do Weigh up what my coach wants to do and all that and we just we just go from there You know, I feel like how many good team around you is very important because you've seen guys without good teams and you know You see one two fights are gone or they, you know, you don't even hear about them anymore, you know Like even with Pico like I feel like yeah with, with Pico like I think this is a tough fight to come back from from a knockout You're how old is he 20? 23 now 23 and getting knocked out and dropped in his first fight. It's not good for your brain You know, he has what 10 15 years of fighting ahead of you know You shouldn't be getting caught and put to sleep like that and then keep fighting. I mean, I mean that's not that he's not me I don't know him. I don't you know, I have nothing against him I'm just saying like, you know, you got to be you got to be smart with MMA MMA is not wrestling MMA is not jujitsu. It's it's a different animal So, you know, you got to take everybody you got to be smart and you gotta be, you gotta be tuned into everything, you know. Yeah, and you know, your next move, Max Humphrey, three and two guy. Um, just what's the scouting report on him? How is he
2: gonna, you know, be part of this path and help you build? What's, you know, what does he challenge you with in any way?
5: I think he challenges me with experience. You know, he has almost 16 fights between amateur and pro, like all together. So like, um, just to, I guess experience. I think everybody I fight has more experience than me. I mean, everybody likes to talk like I'm fucking 15 and 0 or 30 and 0 because you know my popularity and stuff. But I'm only 1 and 0, you know, so. I think maybe experience is the only thing he really has but you know experience isn't it's not going to be enough you know
2: well, I think you could argue you show the confidence of a fighter who's 15 to nothing.
5: Exactly, so that's <laughs> the So maybe I, I do it on myself <laughs> then. Is the goal to you know be more active this year? I, obviously, you know the break wasn't 100% your call. You wanted to get back in there sooner, but w- seven months for you know game jump or whatever. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, of course I want to keep fighting, doing jiu-jitsu, everything. I'm staying active. I'm young, you know. I don't. I'm 100% and I just want to just keep going. I mean, take everybody out. Why not? You know, um, it's hard though with Bellator because most of the fighters don't really have the recognition or that I have. And, it's like i have to build them up and stuff and it's just like just it's a lot of work you know like i fight guys that like even if it was this guy or anybody else like you know who's in belt that's even comes close to the kind of popularity i have you know everything i say is headlines in mma and stuff like that so i just want these guys to kind of keep it working and building up and i'll kind of do my own thing and then they'll come back and like maybe i'll see like oh maybe i'll fight this guy or not and we'll see you know yeah do you you feel like you're the cornerstone of this card despite there being two title fights and chael and machida on there i'm the fight before the co-main event you got aaron pico on the undercard you got all these guys before me the title fight is under me so i mean it's, it's it's that way for a reason i mean it was called spade of spade so like i don't know yeah well of. there was two other champions and chael Sono on this platform next to you and you're the last
2: one up here doing interviews still
5: yeah exactly they little formally late, like, you know i had to get the alpha right that's what it was it was taking a little bit so yeah i mean i just i think i think you know what i like about bellator man i, I don't know they in a sense they kind of know what they have with me you know um, and i appreciate that so it's a good relationship with them <laughs>
0: That was Dylan Dennis and the young Mike Vaughn. And uh, and I thought, you know, Mike, like I said, I thought Dylan kind of kept it real a little bit. I'll tell you something funny, by the way. The video to this, because uh, normally, like, when we uh, when we identify, we, we have what's called a lower third. We, you know, we you put the, the name and in the, in the weight class or whatever. So we'll put, like, UFC bantamweight or, you know, Bellator light heavyweight or former UFC champion. Well, since Dylan has uh, just fought catchweight fights, I didn't know what to really put. and I didn't want to put, like... <laughs> Bellator catchwaiter. Bellator yeah. 175er. Yeah, yeah. I did it. so. So I put. Uh, I actually put Dylan Dennis, Scott Coker's business partner. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah. So if you That's see the great. video version of it, there's a little little Easter egg. But what did you think? I mean, give me an idea, of kind of what you you know what you thought walking up. Did you did you think we were gonna get pure shtick, or did you, did you did you you know were you surprised? Because I thought. I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised, and I thought it was good.
2: No, I was, too. I mean, that's the first time I've ever talked to Dylan, too. So, for me, that was, like, a new experience. I didn't really know what to get on him. But, I mean, I've listened to his interviews. I think the problem with his, like, schtick when he's giving those lines is, like, his delivery just isn't that, like, emphatic. And it's not, like, you know, McGregor or Chael-esque. He just doesn't have that, like, that little bit of charisma. Right. It's just like, oh, you know, I'm the best. I'm going to beat all these guys. Like, stuff like that. It just doesn't really, like, register in the same way. Uh, but, yeah, I think he gave some real stuff there, particularly talking about, like, his career progression. Yeah, you
0: touched on it earlier, and I thought I, I, that was I, – man, I thought that was incredibly honest and insightful.
2: Yeah, it, I, and it's true. I mean, we it's kind of the theme of, you know, this whole podcast, yeah. you know, starting with our first guest there and just going all the way through. And, you know, we might get to Pico and stuff later, but – yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting just to see his place in the game and how people react to it. I mean, he's doing everything right outside the cage to like get himself. You know, he seems to relish the hate, so yeah. like good for that. But yeah, um, I'm curious to see his development. He's such a young guy. Like, of course, we all want to see him in there fighting. Like, you know, a name, someone actually good, but right now I we're in that okay phase where these fights sure. are going to be good for you know maybe another year if he's able to stay active like unfortunately he lost basically a year of his MMA career there due to you know the whole 229 fiasco but yeah I think Get him to three, four, five, and zero, oh, and then I think you need to move him, especially if he's going to continue talking like this. Like you can only go so far yeah. in doing that.
0: He had a great moment, and I, and I and I hate to say that I missed it, man. It sucked because I was busy setting up the camera. But um, some people might have seen an image of him with two belts. So yeah, had, I
2: tweeted that out, uh, and he retweeted. Oh, did like, you tweet it out? Okay, yeah, it like so you 400 got 400 retweets oh, or something like phenomenal. That. And all it
0: was, I mean, and good kudos to him for paying attention. I don't know, did he do it? So, do you saw the whole thing develop? Did he yeah, do it? Yes. So what so what happened was. They, he was up on a stage. There were four people on the stage. Yep. Uh, it was Rory. Dylan, uh, Darian Caldwell, Roy, and then Shale. Yep. The two champs were in the middle, so they had both belts on a table yep. so that the both fighters would have next to them. Those fighters were ushered off the stage. Uh, the interview that, that we had with Dylan was basically like the last interview of media day. Mm-hmm. And so we get up, and I'm moving to go reset my camera to get ready to shoot the face-offs, and then you can explain what happened yeah, there. Yeah, then
2: I turn around, and the two belts are sitting there, and, yeah, you know, I – my caption was a little, you know, uh, enthusiastic, being like, you know, Dylan snatched uh, Rory and Darren right. Caldwell's belts. And did you? Know, pro-
0: so did you prompt him to do it or did he? No, he oh, just, okay.
2: I just turned around and he just did. I mean, I think I was almost trying to get him to do it during the interview where I was right. like Rory was over there. I was gonna be like, oh, you know, you should grab that belt or something. But uh, ultimately he didn't do it. But, yeah, he just picked him up and he picked the first one up. And at first he just put that one over and he was like, oh, and he just grabbed the other <laughs> one. And, you know, these, if we're pulling back the curtain a little bit, these are prop. Like, they're yeah, actual yeah. belts, but right. like, this isn't Roy McDonald didn't bring this from Montreal, right. uh, Darren Caldwell. Like, they have just belts they use for media day and stuff like that just to make it easier on the fighters and all that stuff. But Horiguchi's belt was real that he brought for that stand Holy stand-up. And that God! That was the, the damn Rise R- belt. It,
0: make sure you uh, go check out the face-offs. I you think gotta it's The result. photos or the video. This this Risen belt, is it's, it's better than he is. It's bigger than he is. <laughs>
2: it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Insane. Uh, Yeah, so Dylan picks them up, puts them over his shoulder, and just starts posing for photos, and it was great. People ate that up, and yeah, I tweeted it out, and he retweeted it, and that got many people upset. Ben Askren tweeted something, you know, in response, being like... You know, why don't you go earn one of those? Like, it's funny. He was carrying more belts than he has more than fights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, two belts one fight. So uh, he's doing – he's changing the game. He's got doubling up in one fight. I
0: love it. I love it. I thought it was great, man. That's good. I didn't know that you tweeted it out. That's good that you got a picture of it because I didn't get one because I, yeah. I, was, I was moving the video camera to the back to get ready for the face off. I was just like, damn it. That's hilarious. And he had kind of like such a little wry smile while he was doing it. Like, like he knew he was just being naughty. Yeah, he, <laughs> he knows what he's doing and, you know, no
2: one seemed to – You know, it's not like Rory or anyone else came over. If Rory wins, I'd be curious to know, know, ask him that question post-fight and see what he thinks. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, definitely a smart move by him. He was the talk of, you know, a lot of people yesterday for doing that, and that's ultimately all you can ask for and all you can try for.
0: That's it. Uh, Listen, a couple fights that I think are, are, I don't want to say being overlooked. I mean, it's hard to give... (laughs) equal love to six fights on a, on a main card. Uh, but Ricky Bendez versus Patrick Mix looks like it should be good. And Juan Archuleta versus Eduardo Dantes looks like it should be a really good fight as well. You know, these don't have uh, championship implications, although Juan Archuleta did say that he's he's been promised a, a title shot at 135. Coker with it.
2: didn't necessarily uh, seem to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> agree with that you one. Know,
0: but Juan Archuleta told you this, that he got a new contract, and it's written into his contract that he gets a title shot with a win here. Yeah. And then we asked Coker and, 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 I, I guess you asked need Coker.
2: to review yeah. the language <laughs> of that one. He yeah. certainly doesn't remember that Clause. Which I mean is It makes sense Usually you don't have that stuff Written to a contract But um, Yeah That's a big fight for Juan I mean this guy's been Killing it for A long time um, You know Side note I tweeted as well We saw TJ Dillashaw uh, Out here First time seeing TJ Dillashaw In like a Public space yeah. In the MMA world Sure Since his You saw his suspension seemed to so be in good spirits That was interesting Yeah he He did look smaller to me I yeah. will say that Yeah um, Yeah but that's you know, Juan's been killing it um, That Bantamweight situation is going to be pretty fuzzy, though, no matter who wins this fight because, you know, not to segue too much off. but no,
0: we, I want to get to – because that's what I'm saying. I mean, these are, these are good fights. But, I mean, it's it's weird card placement. But Darren Caldwell versus Kyoji Hiraguchi is a phenomenal fight. And I get it. uh they, they want to open with a bang, I guess. They probably want to make sure they don't have five back to back five Japan rounders. time,
2: and it's available on DAZN in Japan. Good so point there you're as well. To kind of do that. That works as well. Yeah,
0: but I, I'm excited for this fight, man. I really am. And it is, I mean, I'm excited for the fight because I think it's a phenomenal matchup. You know what I mean? Like it's just a great fight. You know, we just saw one great bantamweight fight last week. Now we're going to see another. Um, I mean, it's a great fight, but. I'm just – I'm loving the whole concept too, man. I mean, I understand why the UFC does their business the way they do, and I don't blame them one bit for like, hey, we're not going to crossroad. I get it. Totally understand it, totally respect it, totally support it. But these other organizations, you know, that can't build a roster the size of the UFCs, I love the fact that they're coming together because now we get treated to, to fights like this. And I'm just – I love this fight as, as, the, as the matchup of the fighters, but to me just the fact that we have these two organizations working together is awesome.
2: Yeah, it's great. And just to address the UFC thing really quickly, I mean, I think I could envision at some point a scenario where they do something with another organization. But I think Dana even said it like as recently as this past week. I don't know if it was pre-fight or post-fight during like his media sessions, But someone addressed this in some sort of context, and he basically said he's like, "There's just no one outside the UFC that like captivates me." He's like, "I think it was talking about Ben Askren mm. in, in some sense." Yeah, he's yeah. like, "If there's a guy out there that I want, like I'll get him." Right. And that we'll make true. something happen, like yep. whether it's a trade or, uh, alt- you know, they couldn't even co-promote with Fedor, but that was a whole ridiculous <laughs> other thing. But like, if there's a guy out there that the fans are like, this fight absolutely has awesome. to, every single Dana White press conference, they're like, you know, we want to see this fight, blah blah blah. Yep. Like, I think they would, they would make it happen. You know, Dana, for better or worse, he always says, I would make the fights that the fans want to see true. And more than, more often than not, throughout history. He, I think, he's delivered on that. So yeah, I think it's just. A scenario of getting it right and having a person that just works for them, and right now, that doesn't work for them. But yeah. for these two organizations, it makes all the sense in the world, and I love it.
0: And I think Coker said the other day too. You know, Scott Coker talked to us, and Saki Kubara talked to us as well. But I think, you know, they both kind of mentioned like the big thing is you got to you got to trust that other person. You know what I mean? Because normally. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a two-way trade. It's not just one event. I mean, if, if somebody gets the benefit of, of your fighters, you need to get the benefit of theirs later on. So it's got to be a two-way trade. Um, and, of course, we saw that not happen back in the day with pride in the UFC. Yeah, man,
2: so Silva coming over. I want to fuck Chuck. <laughs> it's <was> so ridiculous. <laughs>
0: uh, I, remember, I remember watching that live, and I was like, oh, why did he say that? Why did he say that? Uh, but no, but, I mean, they had the trust guy, and, and, and I love this fight. Um, and I am really intrigued, and, I, and I'll tell you, it's fun because, you know, I've started doing commentary in Vegas for FFC, Final Fight Championship, and they use a ring. And it's just been so long since I've watched MMA in a ring, like, that up close and in person. It's it's way nicer to watch, though. (laughs) The sight lines are great. It's phenomenal. But you realize how much it changes, uh, especially the wrestling portions of of a fight. You know what I mean? Not being able to wall walk. um, Not being able to trap a guy, uh, you know, against a cage because he's got some give. He's got some
2: Grabbing at your legs and pushing you back in the ring and
0: stuff. It changes it. So, um, and that's why I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because, I mean, I think Horaguchi is phenomenal, man. And of course, he won the first fight in Japan to claim that belt that's bigger than he is, uh, and and and. But the first fight did. There were some scenarios that played out up against that cage or up against the ring that I think would have been different if, if they were if they were in this cage.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not totally like I am. I kind of asked you know some of the key players involved in that. You know the difference between the ring and the cage, but. I think Gucci is extremely comfortable in a cage. I mean, obviously he has sure. his UFC run there. Um, he said it himself. Like, I've I been mean, to ATT. I was there a few months ago. They don't have a ring. Yeah, they have. not have a they ring. You know, they right. pretty much a normal size And, octagon if, and even there. if you're
0: not in a cage, like you're up against like a padded wall, which is essentially a cage.
2: Yeah, exactly. So he's really used to that environment. It's very comfortable. Um, the octagon is definitely – like they have an octagon ATT. The circular cage um, – Never, you know, that maybe would be an interesting story to do at some point, the octagon versus the actual circular cage, like right. how they differ in terms of trying to cut angles and stuff. But yeah, I don't think, like, at the end of this fight, whoever wins, we're going to be like, oh, well, like, you know, the cage was the difference maker. Horiguchi sure. didn't know yeah, what he was yeah. doing. Like, I think that's not going to play into it too much. But yeah, he's. Horiguchi is absolutely amazing. Like, he is so talented um, that. I don't think that stuff really factors in. These like, two
0: guys are freak athletes, man, both of them. Freak athletes, man. Both their workouts were fun. Both of them had had a good time and just their speed and, and oh, I'm I'm I mean to me to me honestly, I think this is the best fight on the card.
2: Yeah, I mean in terms of I think just overall like importance and cuz Right now, that bantamweight division is crazy. Like, that number one spot is up for grabs in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, Henry Cejudo made his statement, but he's beat one guy in the division. Like, yeah. One, I mean, TJ, too, who, but, you know, say, say what you will about right. that whole thing. But, like – yeah, I think Horiguchi's put together a nice resume, Caldwell's put together, like you could come out here and say this guy is the number one bantamweight in the world, the winner of this fight, and I don't think there's like a super strong argument against it, so that's great, that's amazing for Ryzen, that's amazing for Bellator, yep. to, you know, that's what Scott Coker wants, they want to be able to say these are, you know, we have the best fighter in the world, not weight class, and it's growing. You know, you could make that argument about Musasi. Um, I don't think necessarily Bader's there yet, but now you can make it. You can make it about Liemale. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can keep going. So there's there's some interesting stuff happening with Bellator right now, and I'm curious to see how this whole thing shakes out because it's just I don't know. The fallout of this is I'm almost just as interested in the fight because it's just yeah. madness. You know, you have Horiguchi who is supposedly being promising that he's going to come over. And fight once a year and defend this title. But like I'm sure that doesn't make the other Bantamweights happy. I yeah, guarantee right? if that happens we'll be seeing Bellator introduce an interim title of course. at some point. And that
0: would be in that in that that to me Perfect use of an interim title.
2: Exactly. And maybe a winner, like, regardless of who wins, because Darian Caldwell is saying that he's going to be in this featherweight tournament that's coming up. So if he wins that thing, the bantamweight title isn't getting defended for a while. So it's just all – it's very interesting to see what happens with the winner of this fight, the division, all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's pretty compelling at the moment.
0: I wonder if Horiguchi would be the kind of guy that the UFC would ever want to get back. I mean, I think we were all surprised when he left, but my understanding was just that, like, you know, he basically wanted out because he knew he could go make more, way more money yeah, in Japan.
2: and that's I think going to be the big issue of ever that's, getting him back. That's what like I wanted to. He's the guy over there. Yeah. He's how many risen shows is he headlined? Yeah, um, he's a huge star over there. The fights for him, generally speaking, are easier, more yeah. or less, than having to fight these killers over and, and over he's And he's the over. man.
0: He's the, he's, he's the poster guy.
2: He's the guy. So, like, it's really tough to walk away from that, especially when Dude. he's already been through the UFC experience for a long time. It's not being like, there's that, not that unknown, like, how would I do How would I do? This I know it's I like, did oh, good. This yeah, yeah, I know. I did, I did fine. Like, yeah, I, I beat yeah, everyone I, except for literally maybe the best fighter ever.
0: True. <laughs> and I think, I think he could, we were kind of talking on the way over here. I think at this point, I think Horiguchi could beat Demetrius right now. Like, I, uh, and, and, and it may it may take a little the luster off of it now that we've seen Demetrius lose to Cejudo, even though that was a razor thin fight. I did think it was scored the right way. I know a lot of people don't, um, but uh,
2: Morgucci and Cejudo would be, oh, be a that, great fight That too. would be an incredible, incredible fight. Be a great
0: fight. See, I just wonder, man, if they are going to stick with these lighter weight classes, which sounds like you know Dana said they're keeping flyweight. I wonder if, if you know. If, I mean, I know he's doing 135 now. I wonder if he'd go back to 125. He's, he's a tiny dude. It's not, I mean, he's not small. He's, he's muscular. The
2: size difference was ridiculous. Between oh, it a combo. massive size. Ah, crazy. I'm pumped
0: up for this fight. To me, that's yeah. that's the that's the quality fight right there. Yeah,
2: yeah and you're getting it right off of the bat. Uh, so it's going to be a fun start to that main card for sure. There's, there's some good – and I kind of like how it's spread out. I mean, the, the back-to-back – title fights is pretty exhausting in a lot of ways. I agree, because if, if it does if go, five, go rounds. five rounds, and then you have a Chael Son and the Cheetah fight in there, that could easily go all three rounds, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. end of that night could be a bit of a, a slog if they had had it, you know, proper, more or less, bout yep. order, but I, I kind of, and this is the kind of shit Bellator can get away like, with. Exactly! If the did this, they would be dragged over hot coals. Like, imagine if so last true. week, you know, Valentina and Jessica I opened the main card. Kicked
0: off the game. main card.
2: Like, that would be cool, but it, it would just be, like it, it would be, be. I mean, dude, if
0: that was if that was a Bellator card, you probably would have kicked off with Valentina, right? And then you probably no pun intended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you probably would have had the other title fight as the co-main, and do Ferguson and Cowboy as the main, right? That's that's probably that would have been the Bellator bout order.
2: You easily could, and that would be. I wouldn't be complaining. About. <laughs> I mean, no, i at the end complaining. Of the day, like These people who freak out about bout orders and stuff. Like, I, the only thing that kind of I don't like about you know these stack cards. Is there's these fights you want to see as five-rounders. Right, like right, right, a lot right. Of, I was left with that feeling. Um, obviously not with the Ferguson fight, but with a lot of other well, fights. Well, I part. think it had it gone
0: another five minutes. I mean, I don't know. I felt like the momentum was building one yeah. way. But I think we all kind of were worried going into that fight. Like, what if we have a three-round war and we're like,
2: but Like the Aljamain fight uh, with Munoz, yeah. the Caitlin and all the Colorado fight. Like, I would have liked to see all those fights five rounds. Um, but, Yeah. They they do what they do and it, it's nothing that I freak out too much yeah. about. Everyone's like, you know, Shikagian and in Calderwood are opening the card, like, you know, blah, 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 I'm just like at the end of the day, I'm watching all the fights anyway, exactly. so like, it doesn't really matter to me too much.
0: And if you're if you're Bellator, you gotta do things different. You can't just be a UFC clone. You know no, what I mean? You can't get, you
2: gotta mix it up, you gotta make it interesting and I think they're doing a, a pretty nice job right now.
0: Alright, speaking of card placement, let's get to the prelims real quick. I I do wanna ask about this one because I, I have a lot of questions about this. Aaron Pico versus Adam Borch. Okay. First of all, I have a question about just the fight itself because Adam Borch ain't is, no joke, man. He's a beast, yeah, dude. No he, he he this is not a 0, I think. Yes, this is not a, a setup comeback fight for Aaron Pico, you know what I mean? And Aaron Pico uh, as as Dylan Danis said earlier, I mean, the the, the career that he's had I mean, good for him wanting to fight the best and the best and and, and going in against these beasts from day one, but he's still such a young guy. He's had a couple of knockouts. So the matchmaking itself is a little weird to me. I mean, it's, it's not weird to me in the fact that I think these are two very talented young guys, so it's cool, but I feel like Pico's in that kind of almost like rebuilding spot, and he's not getting a rebuilding fight. And it's on the prelims too. This has been, I mean, this was, you know, what was the ESPN article? The best prospect in the history of MMA, you know? I mean, now it's like... Now you're on the prelims, and it feels like, I feel like, and and maybe I'm making too much of it, man, because I know this is a young kid, and he's got all the athleticism and talent in the world, and, and who knows, man, he could fight another 20 years. But I feel like this is like a crossroads fight for Aaron Pico.
2: Yeah, I mean it's crazy if he loses this, he's gonna be four and three in MMA. And if I told you that before he started, or even after you know that first loss, and then maybe when he was one and one or something, like yeah. you know, a year by and the way, he's only on gonna be road. four and three. Yeah, he's gonna be four and three. You'd be like, uh, who is he fighting? Like, you know, with, were they all title fights or something? Like, who knows? But. Yeah, I mean, I just don't – you never know, like, behind the scenes type of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where his contract stands. Maybe this is the last fight on his deal, and they're being like, Adam Boric is our guy now. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't think Pico's going to come back. That's, ha- that's maybe, what I think. I think something like that. him too much money. That's what I and think. And they're like, hey, you know.
0: I think something like that's going on. I think yeah. something like that's it, going it on. It
2: definitely feels a little weird because, like, I haven't seen – and I'm, you know, we ran out of time at media day. We didn't get the chance to talk to him, unfortunately. It's well, there were the way 21 fighters there. 21 <laughs> fighters. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't get to everyone. It's impossible. But yeah, I, it just seems like there's like more to it. Um, I don't know. It's really weird. I, it seems he's changed
0: gyms. Uh, so that's good. I mean, he's
2: changed gyms. He's changed. you he changed, changed as management. Changed well. yeah, management. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on. Um, and you wonder, you know, this guy goes out there like an absolute hellraiser. Goes yeah. out there just going for the kill from second one yep. how his jackson wink can uh, alter his approach maybe we and, see and
0: can you do it in one camp
2: you know maybe he'll actually go for a takedown in this fight <laughs> wouldn't that be something <laughs> he has wrestling credentials i was gonna say right? guy i was, 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 was sure
0: it is funny right i mean it's guy was gonna go to the olympics for wrestling and he never wrestles and and I, I i mean i mean he's he got some gold, amazing gold fights boxer too sure like,
2: he, he got some good stuff going on but yeah it, it's weird like Honestly, the best thing, it, it might not be the most exciting thing. It's on the prelim, so whatever. But the best thing for him might be to, like, win a grind-you-out 15-minute decision. Just for his development. Like, how much cage time does this guy even have at this point? Yeah, like, not that you much. Know, under, like, 10 minutes or something? Not like, that much. Get this guy a little more experience. Like, I don't know. It's, it's so weird just to see this whole thing. Because we know he w- – and, again, it's the theme of this podcast, I feel like, bringing these fighters along. Like, yep. he was the one that he didn't want to take the – MVP route the Neiman Gracie route, like any of these people he's like fight one Give me someone legit and they did and he lost and then fight two it was like uh, a little more down But it was a guy with a winning record right. and stuff like that and then he took the big jump up again he lost and it, Yeah, it's it's just a I guess it's a learning l- I don't even know if it's a learning lesson cuz I don't know if it's done right or wrong If he had won these fights this guy would be on the top of the world He might be fight if he had won that last one Probably know, you know, he'll be fighting the champion sometime soon. That's <laughs> crazy. I think for him, this one is probably assuming you know he still has a future with Bellator. Yeah. he needs to win this if he wants to on that tournament.
0: I agree, man. I think this, this is that featherweight a featherweight tournament because that's big, you know, that's moment. what
2: all these fights are about at this point at featherweight.
0: Yep, it's a big moment, man. It really is. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I do feel like it's crazy to say that about a kid what you so do? young. What do
2: you think he wins or? I don't, I don't know, dude.
0: I, I like Adam Borch a lot, man. I think I think he's got talent, and he's got size.
2: Yep. I yeah, think Pico got, might lose. He's got lose. Some nasty power on him, too. Yeah, I, I can't remember what fight. He got a nice flying knee knockout, I think, in one of yeah. his Bellator fights. So, like, he he ain't no joke. No. And, uh, yeah, I think for, for Pico, man, just – wrestle this dude let's just i just want to see it and maybe like i just want to see you try please to take go down. for a takedown dude, maybe maybe pass this like george gracchel like back in the day where you're like please use your yeah, jiu-jitsu just, like, do something <laughs> please you know use at your least jiu-jitsu. george magella could like be like oh well i got the fight in the night bonus anyways they're getting that <laughs> shit in bellator so like what, what's the point
0: should say by the way that we don't know exactly where that fight is taking place in the prelims because i will say this about Bellator: there's a lot of things about what they do that I, I love oh my god <laughs> they changed the bout order every single like Every press release that comes out, it's in a different order. Coastline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything that comes out, like the, the bouts move around, so you, ne- you never even know what's happening. Um, uh, Heather Hardy's back to action. Uh, boy, what a you know, talk about interesting conversations. What a kind of revelation that, sh- that she had with you, saying that you know she got death threats after her last fight. I mean, listen, I think we all I think we all are aware at this point that uh, people are ridiculous online, and that and, and you and you expect them to be inappropriate with women because that's just the kind of dogs that are out there, mm-hmm. but not inappropriate like that. Right. the hell?
2: I know. It's, um... You know, and I'm sure all the people who subscribe and listen to this wonderful podcast are just the cream of the crop oh, when it comes to not with
0: we- Roadshow fans would never you do that.
2: Best, but You know, I... This is... The fans in the sport can be very dark at times, and they... Do not treat people with the respect they deserve. And, you know, we p- I posted the clip of that on the MMA Junkie Instagram. And, you know, I commented on it from my personal account just being like, I hope none of you folks out in Junkie Nation were the ones who treated <laughs> you this way. Because it's just a fight. I'm like, sure that you one will. Sometimes it sucks. It got, like, a few hundred likes. Yeah. But there's some people being like, show me these death threats. Like, I bet she's making it up. And I'm like, okay, oh, like, you can't, there's nothing you can – you can't win in the sport no matter what you do. Yeah. You can, Anderson Silva and win 16 fights in a row and be, like, the greatest I just, thing ever. But I don't
0: understand people that feel the need to reach out and comment to these people. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and this is what – and, boy, you know, we saw that clip last week with Jessica Eye, right, in the thrill and the agony where she's breaking down in tears, you know what I mean, and she's apologizing, you know, and, and – and, and, Man, I do think that's so – I mean, that's what we see on a weekly basis. You know what I mean? That, and, and and when we say the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, I mean, this sport is the lowest of lows. You get knocked out in front of everybody. You feel like a failure. You know what I mean? It's awful. And then for somebody to to, to pounce on it on top of that, let's say – okay, let's say let's say they weren't death threats. Let's say they were just insults. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that they weren't. She sure. wouldn't make that up. But even if it wasn't death threats, even if it was just talking trash, like what? why do people feel the need to reach out – kick somebody when they're
2: down yeah and it sucks now too because it's changed her mentality about her approach to the sport like you know this is a game where you will get you know chewed up and spit out yep. just as quickly as you were pushed up to the top and someone like Heather Hardy like yeah she's what, like 36 or 37 yeah. she's not going to beat Ole Malay and be the champion or anything right. like that but like you know, she's a martial artist. She's competed in combat sports forever. Like, oh my god, how dare she go out there and like try to take someone down and like try to, you know, fight the sport she's competing <laughs> yeah, yeah. in. Like, oh my god. And I know in that Juelton fight, like, she was funny. She's two said boxers. She we expect them.
0: She said she had fun. She said it was my bad jujitsu against her bad jujitsu. Yeah, I thought so, it was kind of fun.
2: You know, it's just the. That's how you get better. Yeah. You know, that fight is maybe it taught her the wrong lesson or the reaction to it taught her the wrong lesson. But like, that's just. And I mean, fans in every sport get bad, you right? Know? And there's it just it feels like there, and maybe that's because they don't have to like face it in a lot of ways. But it seems like there's way less remorse about fan reaction. Like, you know, I was at the Raptors game uh, when Kevin Durant went down and tore his Achilles, and you know, there was the whole big thing about the fans cheering. cheering. And, you know, my opinion on that, they turned the ball over at the same time. I think it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, there was definitely some people like being like, "Oh my God, our chances of winning the championship!" <laughs> just, I, I don't think anyone was like, you know, th- Kevin Durant's injured. Yes, like <laughs> he sucks. I hate him. But right away, as he was leaving the court, you saw the remorse. You saw everyone start chanting "Katie, Katie." Oh, like, wow. That's cool. and it turned around on the flip of the dime as soon as people. Well, knew, that doesn't you know, get covered you know, quite, look, quite as often kid. as the no, first of course, five Of course, the, the negative story is way way sexier in that sense. But you know, you just don't really see that in MMA. Like, there's no. People will just say what they – It's terrible. i I tell you, I tell you
0: what, one, one other revela- – not really a revelation, but it's just a, a, a way of saying it that I'd never heard before from Heather that was dead on. And she said, you know, once one ticket is sold to a sporting event, it's no longer sports, it's now a business. And I was like, boy, that is so damn true. You know, this – especially in the fight game, right, this is not just about wins and losses, man. I, obviously, it's entertainment as well. Um, and, and I don't know. I just, I'd never heard it verbalized that way, and I was like, "Dude, you're yeah. you're I right mean, about that."
2: I don't know if I hate necessarily. I think in MMA, I think that applies more to yeah, so yeah, yeah. other things. But then that's the difference between you know I'm watching the NBA finals preview going on right behind us, right. But in other sports, you win, and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, but, you can get to but. But at
0: the same time, I would I would counter that it's still a business because I mean, like the rules are tailored. Like, look sure. at the way the uh, quarterbacks are protected in the NFL, or the sure. way like uh, you know fouls are called in the NBA to to, to keep fan interest, right? So yep. it's, I think it still applies. Maybe yep. not not as directly because you're right. You can be you could be you know in basketball you could have like uh, five boring. You know, players that are immobile but run, like, some kind of, like, amazing zone defense. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, you exactly. don't have to be and they, the running the games, gun. It's not exciting, right. but, like, they're winning games. But they can win titles. Exactly. Yeah. And,
2: you know, that's the whole, I think, the debate in MMA that's going to go on until the sport exists, the entertainment versus sport debate and what it all means. Yeah. There some people, uh, you know, like – um, fighters, they're just going to be like, win is all that matters. The, you know, Curtis Blades or something like that. Right. In the UFC, like, right. I asked straight, I'd be like, oh, the fans are booing. He's like, let them keep booing. <laughs> but next thing you know, you're Elias Theodoro. Like, you know, you win all these fights, but so you're not true. entertaining and you could be ranked. And just like that, you're gone. Yep. Because we know what the sport values. And it seems, you know, more and more the UFC seems to be doing some of that stuff in terms of like, you know, keeping the fighters around. You can lose five fights in a row in the UFC, but if they're all awesome you'll probably still have a job. Sure. And if you can win three terrible decisions in a row and then you get knocked out the next play, you can be gone. You might like be gone.
0: That. Crazy. All right, well, listen, there's a, there's more to this card, but, you know, you mentioned the Raptors. I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know, I know you're itching to watch some basketball at night. Uh, the Raptors will be looking to close things out uh, and, and, and be uh, Canada's first Major champion in, what, like 25 years or something like that? But, uh, listen, this is a good card. Hops and Gracie's on there. Uh, you've got Kubota that came over from Japan as well. So you've got some fun action there. You know, another crossover fight. Phil Hawes, you know, the name that was always the, uh, the, the super prospect. Another guy, you know, maybe an Aaron Pico comparison there. You know what I mean? A guy that just... Everybody thought this was a can't-miss prospect, and then you know every time he kept making it up, he, he would he would fall short. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's taking like a year off and like basically just been focusing on boxing and stuff. So I'm, okay. um, I'm kind of excited to see it. So this is a really really good card, and I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be good. Uh, we've got newcomer uh, Nolan King. Yep. Coming in town, we're welcoming to the Junkie staff. He'll actually be here tomorrow, so he'll be cage side with you for uh, for fight night, and I'll be in the back. So uh, if you haven't seen the MMA Junkie editions, we got Simon Head, uh, we got Nolan King. Now both those guys got started, and we got uh, one more edition that I can't quite reveal yet, but Teaser. we got one more coming. So uh, yeah, hated to see the the people that we uh, we lost. Uh, hate to see him go, but. Uh, I'm excited with the people we brought on board. So uh, I think uh, you're just going to keep seeing good things from MMA Junkie. So, uh, all right, listen, uh, I'm going to continue drinking Frosty Beverages. You're going to be watching some basketball. But uh, I appreciate your time this evening. We'll uh, stay tuned to uh, MMA Junkie all weekend. We'll have a Bellator 222 coverage all loaded up for you. And then uh, next week it gets busy. There's a Bellator that we've got coverage there. There's a UFC. We're going to have that that bare knuckle fight that Coke Coffee is (laughs) going to be going out to for Lobov Malignaggi. Tell me you're not interested in Lobov Malignaggi.
2: I am. I mean, yeah, I, you are. Dude, I was there for that media day in New York where they, you know, the slap happened and all that kind of stuff, and it was just, it was ridiculous. And yeah, this. Uh, and you're gonna watch. Of course, I'm gonna <laughs> watch. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, it's gonna be something else. And yeah, that's gonna be a busy night.
0: It is gonna be something else. All right. So anyway, stay tuned for Bellator 222. Everybody else, thanks for listening.